Welcome to the Inspire Podcast. I'm Heather Tice, and this is a place where the unexpected and sometimes crazy moments of life meet up with sacred truth. It's where we get together to talk with other real Christian women who are living out their purpose in a unique way that only their sovereign creator God could have designed. Our hope is that while you're here, you'll laugh a lot, be blessed by the ways that God moves among his daughters, maybe find an idea or two, and most of all, that you'll be inspired to live for him in the week ahead of you. So whether you're washing dishes, getting in some exercise, or just driving on your daily commute, we are so glad that you've joined us here at the Inspire Podcast. Hello, Inspire listeners. I am Shannon Morse, and I'm here talking to Danielle Dodd. So let's welcome Danielle to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. Uh, you're speaking at our Inspire Ladies Conference, and we're so excited because Heather has hyped you up so much. Oh my. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. All right, Danielle, we're going to ask you the same question we start out with every Inspire podcast. What is your pet peeve? My pet peeve is coming home and smelling something strange, a strange smell. I love my house to smell amazing when I walk in the door. And I usually have plug-ins right by the door. And so I'm very off-put if I walk in and it doesn't smell amazing. Nice. What do those plug-ins smell like? I usually have some kind of an apple scent or something like that. Just anything that maybe I, I usually change out according to the seasons. Oh. So in the fall, it's going to be a pumpkin spice or something like that. See, so. you're Southern. All yes. those Southern homes always smell to like the bone. food and yes. welcoming. And that's what I always think of when I think of a Southern home. Yes. It smells like pies and apples. Yes, and it does put you in the mood to bake. It absolutely does, or eat. <laughs> that can be a good or a bad thing. That's right. Um, so I'll tell you mine. Is I, I've said this several podcasts, so I'm going to say it again. I'm going to take the easy way out. Um, I do not like when people eat and chew super loud. Yeah. I have five kids, and my kids eat very, very loud, almost animated and I'm not sure where that comes from, but that just gets under my skin. All right. So we mentioned that you were Southern. We can hear that you're Southern. <laughs> so where is it that you are from? I am actually from Decatur, Alabama, but I go to Somerville Baptist Church in Somerville, Alabama, and those are about 15 to 20 miles apart from each other. So Very um, nice. Yeah. And are you married? Kids. I am married. I am married to my husband, Tim. We've been married for almost 29 years, and we have two adult children. So a boy, we have a son and a daughter, and um, they're both married, so Very we're empty nice. nesters now. Empty nesters. What does that feel like? Still getting used to it. Doesn't it, it's not as, it, it was not as hard as I thought it was going to be, but um, so we're trying to just learn to enjoy every season that the Lord gives us. And this is one of those seasons, so there's hard parts of it, but there's also parts that where you get to know each other again, fall in love again, yeah. and have attention for one another again. So there's, there's positive and, 
and difficult parts of every season, I think. Absolutely. I hear that that is um, one of the hardest parts of being an empty nester is getting to know each other all over again. It is. Dating each other all over again. It is. And you and you really do have to, you have to be mindful of that as your kids are growing up because if you don't, if you allow your kids to become your life when they leave, uh, it makes that empty nest season much more difficult and um, you just got to keep working at it. Yeah. So. Oh, man. So you mentioned that you were married. You're from the South. Did you and your husband meet in the South? How did you meet? We did. Um, we actually um, were introduced to each other at our church. And um, I went to the high school there at our church. And a friend of mine was dating my husband's brother. And so they set us up and we met at church. Oh, nice. That's not something that everybody has. I feel like that that is unique nowadays. Yes. And um, definitely something I wish for my kids. Like, I hope that they continue on through church and meet a nice, just solid person that they know really, really well. Yes. Um, Now, your husband, Tim, if anybody has followed you on Facebook, they know that Tim has some challenges. Yes. So tell us about Tim's condition. Well, Tim and I, um, when we first got married, um, he was very healthy. We um, were married for about a year, and he got a stomach virus that just never got better. In fact, it got worse and worse, and it took them about a year to diagnose him Hmm. with Crohn's disease. And at that time, there wasn't a lot known about Crohn's. So um, Uh, the people in our area weren't able to treat him and we were sent to a specialist a couple of towns away and um, so they were able to get that under control but he was then later diagnosed with a related disease of the liver called PSC and PSC causes your um, bile ducts to close up and eventually the liver dies so that is what happened to my husband he had to um, get on the liver transplant list and um, he was on that for about um, 17 days. Wow. And we got a call that he was, um, they had a liver for him. So that was a very, um, God showed himself mighty in that situation. Wow, that's amazing that it was it, only that long. Yes, it is. It's unheard of, really. Yeah. And the, the great thing about it is... Um, Obviously, that he has a new life um, in that sense because he wouldn't have been able to live much longer in the liver failure. But um, we, uh, he was um, having some very severe symptoms one Sunday afternoon, and I, I called his doctor and he said, "Let's get him admitted to the hospital." Mm-hmm. And so this was about on day 17 of him being on the transplant list, and we drove down to Birmingham, which is where his specialist is, and they were getting him ready to admit. And the liver team called and said, "We have a liver. How soon can you get here?" Wow. Well, that's an hour and a half drive, and the Lord just had already planted us there to receive yeah. that liver. So God's hand was just all over that. That's amazing. That gives me chills because that is such a huge answer to prayer right there. It is. Wow. Yes. So being um, an empty nester um, and taking care of Tim, Mm -hmm. what does that look like for you like on a daily basis? 
Well, typically, um, I I oversee all of his. He has several teams because he has several organs that are involved in his issues, yeah. and so I correspond with them. I'm sort of like his medical secretary. <laughs> um, we keep them all within the same um, the same network, yeah. so they're all seeing each other's notes. But there are still times where I have to take initiative and I've learned so much. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm a firm believer that every patient, especially a chronically ill patient, needs an advocate. So I advocate for him. I educate myself and I advocate for him. Um, And most days it's, you know, he can take his own medicine, but he can't drive. So, um, you know, I, I run the errands that are necessary to get his medical supplies yeah. and any of his doctor's appointments, which he has regularly, um, treatments, things like that. Um, I kind of coordinate all that. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot to take on um, by yourself. And like you said, you learned a lot. You had to start from ground zero and learn yes. all the, the medical terms and the I mean, the terminology alone is overwhelming. It is. But having to talk to all the different doctors, and I mean, it's obviously a huge blessing for you to have them all, you know, connected in in, uh, communication. Right. So that I think that's huge with doctors. Um, I I have family members who have serious health issues, and that is something that they say is the hardest thing, is having the cardiologist talk to the oncologist, talk to the... And it's, it's hard because they don't, I mean, some of them aren't even at the same hospital. Right. So, I mean. that can, You can really run into some scary things there. And, yeah. um, you know, and w- there are good things and there are bad. There's good and bad about having them all in the same network. Um, when he's in the hospital, for instance, this last week he was admitted, it took them a while to figure out which team to send to him. Do they send the liver team? Do they send the GI team? Mm -hmm. Um, And every treatment that they give him has a cause and effect. So it's, it's messing up his blood sugar or it's messing up this. So there's more. So doctors come in and they think out loud and they give their opinion and then they walk out and you think that's the final word. But the, the good side, that, that can get confusing. So to me, that's maybe a negative in that, that it's kind of a roller coaster in that sense because you're hearing all the thoughts before they come together to a decision. Yeah. Um, but the good thing of that is, is that whatever one, we had a doctor, we didn't agree with the decision, and another doctor who knew something else comes in and overrules that. And so the Lord has just given us an amazing team of doctors. Yeah. And at the end of the day... Um, and I, maybe I'm jumping ahead of the question, but um, at the end of the day, you, I have had to learn that particularly when we were in the waiting season, waiting for a, an organ, mm-hmm. when we were waiting for that liver, um, you hear the, all of these stories and we're in a support group. Um, so you're hearing, you're hearing encouraging stories, but you're also hearing the horror stories, the scary things, the devastating things. And at the end of the day, you cannot ride that roller coaster. You cannot look at it that you're waiting on a doctor or a liver. I learned my, my, um, my, the, the comment that I would speak to myself over and over is you're not waiting on doctors. Mm -hmm. 
You're not waiting on a liver. You are waiting on God. Mm -hmm. And he is always on time. He is able. And it's, it's really easy to forget and to feel like it's all up to you. Yeah. You know, when there are decisions to be made. Yeah. Um, especially when they're life and death things and time sensitive things. And do I go now? And now with COVID in on it, it's another, it's a whole different level. Sure. Does that restrict you when you go in? It does. Um, this last uh, week when I had to take him to the emergency room, because they always want us to go through the emergency room. Um, but I had to, you know, sleep in my car for five or six hours until they got him ready to transport to the main hospital. So I can't, I couldn't go in with him, but I did make a list and I sent it to his nurse and they called me on the cell phone and I was um, able to correspond that way. So um, when he's in that kind of shape, he's not able to communicate what is going on. He's in pain or he's, you know, he's not feeling well and he just can't, you know, he can't tell them all that I'm able to to communicate. Of course, being his main advocate. And I mean, I'm sure most times if he's, if he's sick enough to be admitted, he does not want to have to explain everything all over again to everybody. I mean, I'm sure he does it enough. He doesn't want to have to do it when he feels right. You know, terrible so that's that is terrible um so you slept in your car yes for hours yes (laughs) what do you do to care for yourself um so that you can better take care of him there's got to be a few things that you kind of lean on Absolutely. Well, first of all, I um, I do make sure that I I, ta- I get some rest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at some point, for instance, they admitted him that night, and I and they said I could go into his room once he got admitted. So I I had the opportunity to go to the hospital with him, but I instead I went home and got some sleep, and um, you know, I just. I, I have learned soul rest when physical rest is not available. Mm-hmm. And you can rest in the Lord. He says, you know, if you're weary and heavy laden, you come to me and I will give your soul rest. Yeah. And you and I know we can go a lot further with physical um, exhaustion than mm-hmm. we can go with the, the mental exhaustion. Mm-hmm. That will just... Um, wear you down. So I've learned, I've learned a few things about how to take advantage, how to conserve energy. Um, I used to burn my candle at both ends, Mm -hmm. so to speak, and leave nothing in reserve. And I learned that the importance of reserving something for the crisis. And that's a good thing for all of us, even those of us who don't have a regular crisis, Mm -hmm. um, that is important that we build margin into our schedules. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of us have the luxury of not having to do that. I don't. But I I do believe that's a good stewardship thing for anyone to practice. It definitely is. I I find myself uh, falling into that where I burn the candle at both ends. Yes. with the kids in homeschool, mm-hmm. um, we homeschooled before you had to homeschool. Right. So with the five <laughs> kids and then a husband who travels um, often for work and then um, finding time to serve, finding time for responsibilities. Yes. And then cleaning something 
you know, (laughs) randomly throughout the week Yes, to feel accomplished and check that box. Um, It's easy to just be like, I have to do this. I have to. Yes. No, you don't. Right. Things will be there. Well, and a rest doesn't always have to be a long weekend vacation. Um, You can recharge your battery just simply by finding. I mean, I learned to find things that filled my cup. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we all have those things. Yeah. For me, it's a candle, a little soft jazz music, a soak <laughs> in the tub, um, a Hallmark movie, mm-hmm. you know. Um, sometimes it is also spiritual. That is a regular thing that I go to the Lord. Um, but um, there are other things that you can do to give your soul not only rest, but um a boost, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so. definitely. There is a time for. Um, I, f- I kind of feel like you know, um, during the day, if your fuse is a little short yes. or you're a little more tired than normal, mentally tired. That's right. And you're mentally strained, and yes. you feel like, okay, I need twenty minutes yeah. with my prayer journal, or I need yes. twenty minutes with my Bible. I'm just going to open and read. That's right. Or. I need 20 minutes for a power nap. There's yes. a significant difference. And yes. you can usually tell which one. That's right. And it is important to be in tune. You know, God made our made us um, with three parts, and every part affects the other. We have the body and the soul and the spirit. And when we are mentally or emotionally strained, it affects us physically and vice versa, but to be able to find the root and address the root, you know, so many times we're addressing the byproduct of what it is and, um, whether, so, you know, finding the root is, is, um, so it's something to work at and, and address. It definitely is. I agree. Uh, what is, what has been one of the hardest moments in this journey so far? The hardest moment was seeing him after his transplant um, hooked up to all the um, tubes and we had and we had gotten to the hospital by around midday and the surgery took many hours so I was up all night long and I don't do well without sleep Me neither and plus the emotions. <laughs> Of all of that, it was mm-hmm. a major surgery. We were not mentally prepared, which I think is a good thing um, because I think you can just really get yourself worked up, and there was no time for that. Yes. Um, but that's, you know, I, I was exhausted mm-hmm. and so afraid, and just he was just looking at me with, like, help me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he doesn't remember any of that, but um, I do. I will never forget that. It's been the hardest part, that and just watching him suffer and feeling like I'm helpless. Yeah, um, that vulnerability, um, seeing not just someone you love, but a man that you love, someone who is strong, someone who represents that pillar in your family is weak and vulnerable is definitely something that would be eye-opening to anyone. Yes. Yes. Uh, Was there a scripture or a principle that really took you through that? Well, my husband had one, and we both kind of... we both kind of claimed it, mm-hmm. and it is the verse, and I don't even remember the, um, the reference right now, but um, it says, I will not die 
but live and declare the works of the Lord. And um, after the transplant, we had t-shirts made that um, had the verse on it that says, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Um, and we, we made the, in the word delivered, we got a little cheesy because my husband, if anyone knows him, he's so corny. So we made in the word delivered, we put liver in all capital letters because <laughs> he was delivered for, at one point. That so. is amazing. <laughs> so that's Psalm 118. 17. Yes, yes. For thank those you. listening, I had to look that up really quick because it, it rang a bell. Yes. I can quote scripture, but giving you the reference. That is so <laughs> exactly how I am, unless I just looked at it, you know. Yeah. But we, that verse was one that my husband ran across, of course, I'm sure not by accident. Mm-mm. And then one day we were um, at a clinic and a lady. Um, saw us. I don't know. I guess she could tell we were struggling and um, she shared that verse with us. And we're, you know, we're in this huge hospital and this lady comes up to us who doesn't know us. And and my husband looked at me and he said, that is the verse I just read. And then it happened again in a restaurant. A lady handed us a little note and it had a couple of things on it. I I don't know. We had left clinic and we were, we had stopped to eat. And I guess, I don't know, it was just the Lord impressed upon her to hand us a note. And it was just a word from the Lord, but that verse was in it. And he just confirmed that over and over. So that, that really bolstered our faith um, during that time of waiting. I love when that happens. It's so, God is so personal. And I will tell you, um, you know, he's always there, but he is very near to the brokenhearted. And, um, you know, you don't want to go back to those times, but you don't want to forget them either because you treasure that closeness that you feel like no other time. Yeah. Things like that keep me going. Like I said, you don't want to relive it, but keeping them close, just putting those in your back pocket. That's right. So that you can take them out when you really need it. Absolutely. That it restores all discouraging feelings. That's right. I love that. So besides um, you seeing these, having these people um, come along and nurses or doctors uh, collaborating or the liver come at just the right moment, um, have you seen the hand of God other than those moments? Has there been any big moment? Does anything top the liver transplant? Well, I think, I mean, I don't know how you can compare anything to the liver transplant, but I think just the day-to-day grace Mm -hmm. that he gives, um, those stays at the hospital where he provides um, everything that you need, it's, it's so amazing how he, um, he gives the grace that is needed every day. I don't, I mean, in, ter- in terms of the, the excitement and all the emotion and everything, I can't say that anything tops that. That's probably, um, the, the most amazing part of the process, Um, but I just, I know I could not do what I have been able to do if it were not for him, for the Lord and his grace and, um, how he just keeps that supplied always. 
That's so good, though. Uh, so we have many ladies uh, in our church and yes. who are a part of our ministry who are caring full-time for loved ones with chronic health needs, um, whether it be parents or children or spouses. Um, what's a major mistake that's easy for us as caregivers to slip into? I think believing that it's all up to us. I think the allowing the weight um, obviously, there are certain physical tasks mm-hmm. that we have to perform, but I think it's so important that we lean hard on the Lord mm-hmm. um, rather than um, withdrawing or bottling up or lashing out, that we lean hard on the Lord, that we cry out to the Lord. And He is a very present help yeah. when there is trouble in our life. He is there. He, um, there, he has access to every single person and all of the you know he owns the cattle on a thousand hills his he is his resources are bigger than our bank accounts they're bigger than he is bigger than our circles and he can send the resources in ways that we could never think of and i think it's so important that we cast that burden that we roll it off onto him and trust ask him to give us practical wisdom you know, to teach me, show me what I need to do here, instead of trying to figure it out always on our own and feeling like if I make one mistake, that could cost this individual their life. One thing, and this might sound morbid to some people, but I'm telling you, I learned this when my kids started driving, (laughs) and it was strangely comforting. But when God made them or even thought of them and I'm talking about our loved ones first of all he loves them more than we do and second of all he knew the day they would come to this earth and he knew the day that they would leave it and that is not up to me mm-hmm. that is not up to me and so sometimes chronic illnesses are not life and death but um, sometimes they are and that was one during that season that was one of the things that um Um, I really had to remind myself of. And the other thing is, do not look at it like you are missing out. When you are having to be away from the things that you would get to do and you're making those sacrifices for that loved one, Mm -hmm. that is your ministry. And you can give them a cup of water in his name. And it's the same as if you are doing it unto him. Mm -hmm. Um, We can do kingdom work at our kitchen table, at our kitchen sink. Um, We are doing kingdom work when we are taking care of those that God has entrusted to us. And we can very easily allow ourselves to slip into this victim mindset. Mm -hmm. Why can't I be out there doing what all of that, all of those people are getting to do? Why have I been given this responsibility? At the end of the day, God is sovereign Mm -hmm. and we have to, we have to surrender that to him and look at that as our ministry and our calling and treat it as such, do it as unto him. Mm -hmm. That's so good. I could see that falling into that victim role. Oh, I could be here or I could be there or I could be you know, doing this, or I can't because I have to be here. Um, and that's good. I love that. I, I've heard that more than once, but um, say that again about doing God's work at the kitchen table. You can do kingdom work yes. at the kitchen table, at the kitchen sink. Um, you know, you can wash your kids' clothes and be doing kingdom work. Um, you know, and sometimes we have to ask 
you know, sometimes it's Jesus doing the laundry because we <laughs> physically cannot. Like, Lord, I know the other day I'm going to the grocery store and I'm on my last little bit of fuel um, of the day and I had to go and I'm like, okay, today they don't know, but Jesus is going to be doing the grocery shopping because it's not in me to do it. But he will. Yeah. He will. He will do what we, you know, the Bible says, when I am weak, his His strength is made perfect in my weakness. And Paul always gloried in his infirmities and his weaknesses because then Christ's strength mm-hmm. was showing forth. Yeah. This is an opportunity to for Christ to show himself mighty in and through us. Yeah. I think that that is very practical, though, because even if you're not caring for a loved one and yeah. um, with a, a, an illness or a disability, um, moms that are staying yes. home right now and you're finding the joy yes. in laundry, the joy yeah. <laughs> in making three yes. meals a day <laughs> yes, is a lot. And... Um, I think that that's good to shift that focus from I'm doing this. I'm I'm cleaning dirty clothes. I'm changing dirty diapers again yes. to, you know, I'm ministering, I'm serving, I'm doing kingdom work. Mm-hmm. And it's important it no matter important. what it is, no matter how mundane yes. or how minute you think it is. Right. I think a lot of us really tend to make that our label. Yes. Is we are just a mom or right. we're just a wife. We don't have something that we identify with outside of the home. Right. So that is that is something that we struggle and get stuck in. Absolutely. Uh, we were just talking about it at our small group last night. Mm. Because we have um between three families, we have 13 kids. Wow. Wow. And uh, us moms were talking about it, and we were letting the husbands know (laughs) how we were stuck in that situation. Yes. Um, What advice or very practical tip would you give to caregivers? Like practical ones. um, They can be spiritual, but practical that people can can really um, apply well that's that's tough because a lot of days it is just you can't plan many days what is going to happen and what you're going to have to deal with but I think it is important at least it has become important for me to be somewhat organized Mm -hmm. um you know, I keep lists um, of things. I, you know, it's a lot more exhausting when your schedule is running you and when there's lots of doctor's appointments or you can't find the things that you need. And it, it's just, even if you have pockets mm-hmm. of organization yeah. in your, where you're having to do this caregiving mm-hmm where supplies are are handy and phone numbers are handy and you have access to the things that you need without um it's just a lot of extra energy that you're expending and frustration when you there's no organization so i would say take the time yeah. to find a, a, a method that works mm-hmm. don't don't allow it to become the 
the secondary thing. It's easy to say like, I'm going to do all these things and then, then I'm going to be a caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that probably we always, we need to look and say, people have to come before all of the other things. Yeah. I'm so thankful that I have a job that is understanding when my, when I have to be out, that is my priority. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to feel pulled and torn, but you take care of that priority and God takes care of the rest. So I just think it's a matter of, of being organized and pri- and get your priorities where they need to be. Mm-hmm. I think many times we have to ask the Lord to give us the desire to do what we're doing. He says he will give us the will and the ability. And sometimes we just don't access that. Yeah. And so we're just doing a duty instead of truly enjoying what um, we've been allowed to do. So um, I think that would be my advice is to just make sure that you work toward at least toward organizing or call on a friend that's good at it and um, put something in place that would be helpful that's one of my most favorite things to do is to organize mine too (laughs) and I don't I think even people that are not good at it Mm -hmm. want to be yeah well they see the the inspiration all over the internet especially since quarantine everybody wants to keep things organized absolutely because they have the time to they made it it's not necessarily they made it a priority right because they're just there that's right and it actually saves time in the long run. It does. It's an investment that is worth it because when time is a premium and energy is a premium, mm-hmm. and that is especially true for caregivers and moms yeah. of young children, that is, um, it's worth it. It is worth some extra discipline mm-hmm. in some, some areas that you maybe get up a little bit earlier yeah. to spend some time alone with the Lord. You know, do do those things um, so that it doesn't feel like you're always flying by the seat of your pants. And I don't want to make it sound like it's a formula because there is there's no formula. It's different for everybody. And at the end of the day, Jesus fills in all those. He is he is the one that's sustaining us, but he also fills in all of our gaps. Yeah. So. You know, but for practical advice, I think that that would be the thing I have found to be one of the most helpful practical things I've done. That's a good one, though. That's probably not one that people would expect is to stay organized. But you have a lot of things to organize. All the the uh, paperwork and yes. um, especially with something that's chronic. Yes. It's not something that's started and stopped. It's not something you can file away. It's something that's ongoing. And, ch- and, and, and ever-changing. Yes. Um, because there's medications mm-hmm. that they're starting and stopping all the time. And um, so it is, it's important. Um, I'm not smart enough to remember all of that. <laughs> and it's a lot of pressure. So I write things down. Yeah. And, and try to keep organized in that way. A place, a basket for the medicine. A list by the... I mean, whatever it takes. I love lists and I love little forms. Yes, Um, I do too. I love forms. I just feel like it just cuts out so much confusion. But yes, anyway, that's me. I love when they give me paperwork. And I'm probably crazy, but I love when they give me paperwork to fill out. At like the doctor's (laughs) office, I take my own pen and I need to 
I love filling out all those little boxes. And I mean, <laughs> after five kids, yeah, I fill out two and I'm, I'm good. But that initial paper, I don't know what it yes, is. Yes, it's very I satisfying. Is, There's something about it. Um, all right. We got one last question. And this one, um, this one is a good one. What have others done um, that have been a huge blessing to you? Is there somebody who has, I mean, you said you are very blessed with work that they are understanding when you have to be out. But is there someone um, who has been a huge blessing to you? Um, And what can friends do for those ladies in in those caregiving roles? Well, um, that's really, that is a very broad question because each person is different in what they're comfortable with. Um, You know, for instance, my love language is acts of service. So I, to show you that I love you, I might, um, I would want to come to your house and do something. Well, that's not a blessing to that person if they're not comfortable with you being in their home. So I think that it's really important to not push, Mm -hmm. not make it about you. Um, If you want to help them, um, you you know what I'm saying? It's, there are things that I would feel good Mm -hmm. doing for you, but it might not be helpful. In fact, it might be, it might be stressful. So I think that um, people who are sensitive to that Mm -hmm. are very, they're a huge blessing. I don't have a lot of, I don't, I can't think of anybody that, um, that has overstepped any bounds with that. But there, I have friends who every single time that they find out we're in the hospital will text and say, do you need anything? You need anything from home? And they, you know, they're willing to bring Mm -hmm. anything the distance. So, um, you know, asking what, what is needed. I've read blogs and stuff where people say, don't ask, just do something. Mm -hmm. Well, that's okay to say that, but if you don't know what to do, then you end up doing nothing because you don't want to ask. So I, I think it's a good idea to say, can I bring you yeah. some dinner? Could I bring you something? Do, you know, um, I have to so be specific. Right. Can I bring, not just this broad question, can I bring, can I do something for you? Maybe give a couple of options. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that you would, you know, that you want to ask so just, I think being specific is a good thing. And I think being very sparing with suggestions um, on things you can try um, to, people want to help, mm-hmm. but it's not helpful when um, you are making suggestions like, um, well, we have these oils or we have, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with sharing those things. I use oils. Yeah. But when you have something going on like that, it almost makes that person feel like you are insinuating that it's not it's there's something more you could be doing to avoid yeah. this. Like you're not doing enough. Right. Like you're just or there's a simple solution yes. and you just haven't found it yet. And um I've learned to block those things out, but people are very well meaning and with their all their suggestions or their offerings in that sense. Don't try to help um treat the patient, I would say. You know, um just try to support in other ways and offer other things. 
Um, meals are always, I would never turn anyone down for a meal. You know, if someone <laughs> says, can I bring you a meal? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. food. Yes. I love food. I love it too. When I had um, babies, people from the women's ministry bought me food and they didn't even ask. They were just, they would text me at that morning and be like, hey, so we have dinner for you. Is six okay? Yes. And I'm like, whoa. Yes. This is amazing. Right. Or when your kids are real sick and they'll be like, hey, what is their favorite meal? Can we bring them something that they would like? And I have, and they're frequent flyers. They're people that are always in tune to that, you know, sort of need. So those people are truly angels because... They know. Well, and there are people that have that gift of hospitality, and they just know. And I don't think that I'm actually one of those people. I'm not either. I have some experience um, just by no by, be, by being at the hospital a lot. I know what kinds of things a person might, but I'm I don't have that gift of hospitality. No, I don't either. I wish I did, but I don't. I don't either. <laughs> I, I need to work on it, but but I'm very grateful for those. Who I do. am too. I really am. Well, Danielle, it was really nice talking to you, and I'm sure all of our Inspired listeners really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Danielle. We enjoyed this so much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it, too. Mm-hmm.